0: Hello and welcome to Random Interesting Facts, the podcast about everything and nothing, with your host, 42. This week's topic is sleep. So let's dive right in with fact number one. Humans are the only mammals that willingly deprive themselves of sleep. Have you ever seen a pet dog stagger into your kitchen with its hair all rumpled, bags under its eyes, (sighs) mumbling incoherently as it reaches for the coffee? No? Well, it's ironic that we use the phrase dog tired, because if a dog looked that tired, you'd be straight on the phone to the vet, because it usually just sleeps. Yet, for humans, that scenario is all too familiar. Most of us wouldn't look out of place in Dawn of the Dead before we're onto our third coffee. That's because humans are the only mammals that force themselves to stay awake past their bedtime. Sleep deprivation is one of the most serious health problems in a developed world causing obesity, diabetes, heart disease, and fatal car crashes. So why do we do it? Some of it is hard to avoid, such as insomnia, a newborn baby, or working shifts. But much of it is driven by a combination of deadlines and FOMO. It might not come as much of a surprise, but the group with the greatest self-inflicted sleep deficit is students. The stereotype of the student burning the candle at both ends turns out to be pretty accurate. When given three options, one, have a mug of cocoa and take yourself off to bed, two, stay up until 1am finishing coursework that's due in the morning, or three, go out and party till sunrise, then do the coursework, you can guarantee what most students will choose. Add a part-time job, some emotional angst and a hangover, and it's amazing that most students can function at all. Scientists have found two primary motivations for voluntary sleep deprivation. First, rewards such as binge-watching all 12 hours of the extended version of Lord of the Rings, or being so close to reaching the final battle in Resident Evil that it'd just be wrong to stop now. And secondly, punishments, such as a fear of losing your job if you don't put in a superhuman number of hours and pull an all-nighter, or a deadline-induced panic. Some jobs require crazy levels of sleep deficits, and workers' performance is known to suffer. Thankfully, most jobs that involve heavy machinery and other hazardous activities have strict limits on hours that can be worked, as well as enforced rest breaks and so on. Which is really good, because the last thing you'd want is someone doing a really critical, responsible job whilst extremely tired. Come to think of it, maybe politicians would actually do a decent job if they all got a little bit more sleep. So then, it's certainly a good thing that junior doctors aren't overworked, right? Because they're responsible for our health. Well, uh, junior doctors average a 48-hour week, and that's a breeze compared to what they used to work. In the 80s, junior doctors regularly did over 104 hours a week, which was then cut down to 56 hours. It's a testament to human endurance and dedication that they ever managed that at all. And it was finally reduced to 48 hours this year. Given the kind of year that doctors have had, that seems like a pretty small concession. Of course, humans also suffer from involuntary sleep deprivation, the main cause being stress-induced insomnia. Ironically, the main cure for insomnia is to stop stressing about not being able to get any sleep. Yeah, good luck. Stress causes the brain to stay on high alert. Even without insomnia, it'll make your sleep less efficient. There's evidence that humans use something called asymmetric sleep when they're in unfamiliar or stressful surroundings. Have you ever woken up the first morning in a strange new place, feeling inexplicably tired, even though you got many hours of sleep? It's probably because your brain has been sleeping asymmetrically. The left side has spent the whole night in light sleep, ready to wake up at the slightest fret. And consequently, you're exhausted. There's even a name for this, the first night effect. Scientists studying sleep disorders often discount the first night of a trial entirely because of it. Next up, moment from history. (music) Where each week we look back at one particularly odd, moment from the past. And this week we're cheating a bit because our moment from history is rather recent. Actually it's from this year, but it's still really interesting. Because this week we're looking at the time that a man washed up on the Florida coastline after trying to run to New York via the Atlantic Ocean in a waterproof hamster wheel. Yeah. In a story that sounds like it was ripped straight from a Monty Python sketch, extreme athlete Ray Reza Bellucci set off from St. Augustine, Florida, on the 23rd of July, 2021, to float to New York. I shit you not. Bellucci had built himself a waterproof plastic hamster wheel powered entirely by him running on the spot, His intention was to run east to the Gulf Stream and then run up the Atlantic seaboard till he hit the Big Apple. But within less than a day, Bellucci washed ashore down the coast from St. Augustine, some 20 miles further from New York than his starting point. Nice going. And remarkably, this wasn't even his first failed attempt to cross the sea by hamster wheel. In 2016, he set out, twice, to run 3,500 miles from Florida to the Bermuda Triangle and back again. This time, he had to be rescued by the Coast Guard. They weren't too pleased, as they'd already denied him position to sail. Calling the whole planned trip manifestly unsafe, which seems like a bit of an understatement. His first encounter with the Coast Guard was in 2014 when they received a report of a disorientated man in a bubble off the coast of Miami asking for directions to Bermuda. Now that sounds like a setup for a joke if ever I heard one. On learning that Bellucci had only protein bars and bottled water to sustain him, they became rather concerned. Bellucci had said he had intended to run 1,033 miles across the ocean, from Papano Beach to Bermuda, then to Puerto Rico, Haiti, and Cuba before returning home. He would catch fish, eat protein bars, and sleep in a hammock inside his pod. He would also have to chew gum for seasickness. Because all of that sounds completely sane, right? Yeah. His ultimate goal was to run to 190 nations to encourage world peace. When he was first approached by the Coast Guard in 2014, Bellucci refused to quit. However, just three days later, he sent out a distress call. Afterwards he said he'd mistakenly set off his spot beacon and personal location beacon when reaching for his water bottle. I never quit, he told the Miami Herald. An HC-130 airplane, MH-60 helicopter and the container ship, Mersk Montana, were sent to rescue him about 70 nautical miles east of St. Augustine, where they found him too exhausted to continue powering his hamster wheel. I'm impressed he kept going for that long, to be honest. Bellucci claims to have supported homeless charities over many years, running the perimeter of the USA, and from coast to coast several times. But his fundraising is now solely focused on getting his hamster wheel back in the open ocean. Bellucci follows in the footsteps of a long line of intrepid adventurers, or effin' idiots, depending on your viewpoint, who've braved the oceans with little more than a pack of cereal bars and a kitchen sink. The late 70s, early 80s seem to have been particularly rich for these crazy exploits. In 1978, Italian explorer Giorgio Amoretti, who'd previously crossed the Sahara on a kite, attempted to cross the Atlantic on top of a Volkswagen Beetle. In 1980, a group of Brits set out in a diesel-powered factory boiler. In 1983, Eric Peter washed ashore on the island of Guadalupe, claiming he'd crossed the Atlantic in a barrel, though it was never verified. One of the weirdest and smallest watercraft to cross the Atlantic was made from a wardrobe and a washing machine, built and sailed by Tom McNally, who'd made the crossing several times in vessels of decreasing size. ...accompanied on at least one trip by his pet tarantula. His wardrobe-cum-washing machine looks remarkably boat-like... ...unlike some of the other vessels rescued from the sea. In 2015, Aaron Jones and Jamie Toms... ...glued together a bunch of insulation panels... ...and set off into the North Sea to fish. They had to be rescued 200 yards off Jaywick, Essex, after one of their oars broke. They were lucky to have escaped alive, to be honest, because neither of them could swim, and they didn't have life jackets. Others have washed ashore of their own accord. There's a 1980 photo of one such fellow captioned, Ted McNamara, adventurer, drinking a toast to the barrel in which he was attempting to cross the Atlantic to Florida, until it capsized 50 yards from shore. Oh, the humility of 50 yards. You have to wonder whether some of these adventurers were in it just for the 15 minutes of fame, never seriously expecting to reach the open ocean. I mean, just this June, three people and a couple of dogs got further than that by accident, on an inflatable flamingo off the coast of Alaska. Now we'll take a short break, and soon we'll be back with fact number two. Fact number two. Sleep deprivation will kill you quicker than starvation. If you binge-watched every episode of Lost, all 121 of them, without stopping, you'd probably die. If, however, your plane crashed on a desert island, you could survive for 60 days or more without a single morsel of food passing your lips. Without food, humans can live for months. Without sleep, we die in a matter of days. Of course, it would be slightly unethical for scientists to actually test these hypotheses. Instead, we rely on real-life evidence. Hunger strikes have shown our limits without food. And the answer? People usually survive anywhere from two to three months. Death through lack of sleep is usually accidental. But there have been enough humans ready to binge-watch or binge-game themselves to death for us to confidently put the length of time the human body can survive with no sleep at less than two weeks. For instance, in 2015, a Taiwanese man was found dead in an internet cafe after a three-day-long gaming binge. In 2013, a Bank of America intern collapsed and died after working three days and nights without stopping. Others have kept going for longer. In 2012, a Chinese soccer fan died after watching the European Championships for 11 days straight. This gets to the heart of one of the great mysteries of science, why we sleep. Unlike our need to breathe or eat, which are pretty obvious to anyone, no one can definitively say what sleep is for. Though researchers are getting closer to an answer for this conundrum. Is it to keep us out of harm's way at night? To process today's experiences? To boost our immune system? Well, it's at least one of them, or a combination of all three. On the surface, though, sleep makes no evolutionary sense, since we're extremely vulnerable and unproductive when we sleep. As one sleep expert, Dr. Alan Reichstaffen, said, if sleep doesn't serve an absolutely vital function, it is the biggest mistake evolution has ever made. I'm not sure I totally agree, Alan. I love sleeping. Think of all those boring train journeys or lectures that pass in no time at all because you slept right through them. Whatever the reason sleep exists for, we can't do without it for more than a few days. There are exceptions. In 1964, teenager Randy Gardner managed 11 days and 25 minutes continuously awake. He seems to have emerged relatively unharmed though he apparently suffered from terrible insomnia afterwards. Scientists concluded that whilst he was on his marathon wake fest, his brain had been constantly catnapping, parts of it asleep whilst the rest of it stayed awake. But Randy is the exception. Total lack of sleep is determined so dangerous that the Guinness World of Records has banned all attempts. the only people known to have survived longer without sleep than Randy suffer from a rare condition called fatal familial insomnia. The first case ever noted was an 18th century Venetian doctor. Roughly half his descendants had inherited the condition. At around age 50, they stopped being able to sleep. What's extraordinary is that they often accumulated a huge sleep deficit of six months or more before they finally died. None of this explains why lack of sleep proves fatal, but recent studies of mice and fruit flies have found that death from a lack of sleep is always preceded by a buildup of molecules called reactive oxidative species, ROS, in the gut. When the sleep-deprived fruit flies were given antioxidant compounds to neutralise the ROS, they stopped dying prematurely. This suggests that perhaps animals, and indeed humans, could survive without sleep if given the right supplements. So perhaps a time will come when you can safely binge-watch the whole of Lost in One sitting without risking your life. Fact number three. The strangers in your dreams aren't strangers. Our dreams are populated by deep fakes. Remember Tom Cruise on TikTok? That was a deep fake, a computer-generated blend of Tom Cruise's face on an actor's body, just done incredibly convincingly using artificial intelligence and machine learning. But it appears our brains do something very similar with faces we've seen in real life. That axe-wielding madman in your dreams? Ah! He could be Bob the Milkman. The woman who handed you a fish instead of an exam paper? She could be Daryl from accounts. In fact, everyone in your dreams is someone you've seen before in real life your brain is unable to invent new faces from scratch. Instead, the theory goes, is that it uses the vast bank of people you've encountered during your life to populate your dreams. Despite appearing to be strangers, you've seen all these people before. Right now, there's no way for scientists to prove this, but it's a persuasive hypothesis supported by numerous studies which consistently find that our dreams largely simulate everyday life. In one such study, only 15% of the dream environment and 5% of the characters were surreal. That 15% of psychedelic dream experiences does suggest that we do distort or rearrange some of our memories. I really hope that giant monster trying to sell me tickets to Michael Gove's Tupperware party last night wasn't based on real life. God help me. So, it is possible that some of the strangers in your dreams really are strangers. Theoretically, we could create new, dream-specific people. They'd still be a collage of features that we'd seen in real life, though so they wouldn't be completely unique. However, our brains love to take a shortcut. So in most instances, our brain doesn't go to the effort of making up a new face. It just plucks one at random from your memory. Until we can read people's minds whilst they're asleep, it'll be impossible to say exactly what people are experiencing when they dream. Reported dreams tend to be very scrappy due to our generally poor ability to form new memories whilst asleep. Everything is a bit blurry when you think about it afterwards. And most dreams fade as soon as we wake up. So it's hard to say exactly what you saw whilst you were dreaming, or if it's even part of the same dream, or bits of several dreams all mashed together. But researchers are starting to make some headway into tapping directly into people's dreams. In several recent studies, participants who experience lucid dreams – which means they're aware that they're dreaming – were trained to communicate whilst they were asleep. They did this by moving their eyes or face to give responses to questions put to them by researchers whilst asleep. These included yes and no questions and simple maths problems like 8 minus 6 or 4 minus 0. Simple? I'd have trouble with them whilst I was awake. Amazingly, the lucid dreamers responded correctly 18.6% of the time and gave the wrong answer to only 3.2% of the questions. The rest of their answers were either unclear or the question got no response at all. And as for the dreamers, the question often became a part of the dream. For instance, the maths problem would come out of a car radio. Or in another instance, the researcher's voice interrupted the dream, like a narrator in the Truman Show. This two-way communication between researchers and sleeping participants is pretty rudimentary at the moment. But its potential is huge. It's shown that people are receptive to new experiences and data whilst dreaming. This suggests that dreams could one day be tailored to an individual's aspirations. For instance, to practise a musical instrument or athletic skill while sleeping. Now there's something I could get behind downloading skills while streaming, like Neo or Trinity, without ever having to deal with all that Matrix rubbish. And that was Random Interesting Facts. Thank you for listening, and I'd absolutely love to hear your comments and suggestions for future episodes. And also be sure to like, review, and subscribe please do leave a comment if you've learned something new from this episode and if you have your very own random interesting fact that you're just bursting to share with me then tweet it using the hashtag #RiffPodcast. that's r-i-f podcast each week i'll choose my favorite fact from my lovely listeners and shout it out at the end of my next episode and thanks again for listening